All right. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. The message this morning is entitled, A Thousand Years. A Thousand Years. I'm sure that many of you would agree that a thousand years is a mighty long time, right? A thousand years ago, the earth, uh, uh, from a historical standpoint, was in, the, was in uh, the time period called the Middle Ages. Uh, the Muslim world was in its golden age, and China was in its song period, and India was being divided into a number of lesser empires. Uh, the New World and Sub-Saharan Africa were still in what some call prehistoric stages, and the Arab slave trade was beginning to be an important economic factor to many of the nations in the Middle East. Now, here's one indicator that tells you how long ago a thousand years were or was. The world population is estimated to have been uh, between 250 and 310 million people. Okay, now that's a long time ago. And so the Bible speaks about a time called the millennium period. And we touched on it briefly in our study through the book of Daniel, but I wanted to kind of just as a, as a point of review and to go a little bit deeper into it because the millennium is something that maybe you've heard before, uh, the millennial reign of Christ. What exactly does that mean? And what are, what, what are the, um, the parameters of that? What, are the, uh, what does the environment look like? What, what, is, what does that mean for us today? And how does that give us hope or, or encourage us or or? Well, what is this thousand-year thing that, that I've heard about? I'm not really sure. And, and I actually thought this would be a great thing to kind of discuss and talk about because I think it would really give us some hope and would really give us some encouragement. Now, one of my favorite Bible commentaries is Wilmington's Guide to the Bible. Write it down. Wilmington's Guide to the Bible. I love Wilmington's Guide. It's a big old book. It's about this big, and it's that thick and it's just loaded with all kinds of 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 data and and it's a little bit old so sometimes he'll say you know he'll give an illustration and when you read it you go okay that was a long time ago but it's filled with information and um and he sort of uh outlines the word of god and all the books of the bible and all sorts of other kinds of things as well so it's just a a wealth of information and so I wanted to to tell you that I borrowed some of the outline of his. I've added some of my own, but uh, uh, you know you got to give credit to a guy like Wilmington because you know he uh, he he just I love the way he thinks, and so some of these outline points that I'll be speaking of are things that that I've gotten out of his book, and I wanted to mention that. Okay, and so the millennium defined. Uh, this is Christ's long anticipated and forecasted or predicted. A thousand-year reign and rule on the earth. Uh, Wilmington says this, that 300 years ago, Isaac Watts wrote a hymn based on the truths found in Psalm chapter 98. It's a familiar hymn that during the Christmas season we sing all the time. Uh, you, might, you might know this, but it turns out that Watts didn't have Christ's first coming in mind when he wrote this, but he had his second coming. All right, here are the words. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Right? Okay, that could apply to his first coming. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Isn't that interesting? Thorns? What does that have to do with the first coming of Christ? Ah, 
Uh, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. Now, does Jesus rule the world with truth and grace right now? Well, yes and no. Yes and no. There are lots of nations where Christ's rule isn't in effect, but he still rules because he's king of kings and lord of lords, right? Okay, so, so that didn't quite happen at his first coming, did it? Nor does it happen has it happened yet? I mean, it has in one sense, but it hasn't fully happened yet. Okay? He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love. Can we sing the last line together? And wonders of... Isn't that, don't, isn't that wonderful? I, don't, don't you just feel... No, I, see, I think every day should be Christmas. In fact, I think... I don't, where's Joe? Joseph, are you here? Yeah. Jo- Joseph, you know, the, you know, sometimes the worship team, they go out and debrief or something, or maybe they go to Starbucks, but I think we should sing that at the end of our time today. You know, people will walk in and they go, is that a Christmas carol? What's wrong with those people? Hey, everyday Christmas. Everyday Christmas. All right. So anyway, the theological term for this time period is called the millennium. It's from a Latin word that means a thousand. Revelation chapter 20 We see, although millennium isn't in the Bible, the word thousand is. In particular, this this thousand year period shows up in Revelation chapter 20. So we're going to read Revelation 20, verse 1 through 10. We'll get the full context and then we'll break it up a little bit. It says, Then I saw the angel coming down from heaven. I'm sorry, an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who was the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years had finished. Now, I want to just say briefly, there are those people who think that You know, there's good versus evil, there's right, there's wrong, there's God, and there's Satan, and they're battling it out, and they're kind of equal like this. You know, Jesus and Satan, uh, you know, and, and, and Jesus wins in the end, and I just think it's so cool that when it came time for for Satan to be on lockdown for a thousand years that an angel gets assigned that we don't even know this angel's name i mean it, it's not gabriel it's not uh uh, uh you know it's not some angel that maybe we're for, for, from michael the archangel we don't know who this is it's just some angel and we think Satan is so powerful, and he is, and, he, and he's so mighty. And, and yet you would think maybe Jesus himself would, no, I'll bind him. And he has bound him at the cross, at his death and resurrection. But it's, it's just interesting to me that, listen, you know, hey, uh, you know angel, hey, go, you know, would you bind him up for a thousand years? Got it, man, where to change that? Boom, lockdown, just like that. Just, just, just like, like that, that's it. This, this, this. Satan, who has wrecked havoc for centuries, it just gets, you know, whoop, whoop, and there he goes, and boom, and he's, and he's gone. I mean, he's gone, just like that. 
Does he fight? Does he war? Does he resist? Well, well, he will. He will. But, you know, that's it. Get him out of here. He, he, go, he gone, as a Duck Dynasty guy would say. Anyway, I just think that's interesting. All right. Uh, all right. Verse 3, cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he sh- should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, you must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded uh, for their witness to Jesus for the word of God and uh, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for how long? A thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for how long? A thousand years. Now when the thousand years has expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of, of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints of the beloved city. A fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Can you say amen? Amen. Okay, there's the end of the story. There's the end of that right there. All of that, and he, he okay, we'll, we'll get to that. But, but the, uh, uh, there's uh, three major uh, theological positions regarding this thousand-year reign of Christ uh, on the earth uh, or or not and um, and I want to look at those briefly and again we touched on this during our study in 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 Daniel but it was just kind of we just hit it just for a little bit um, first there are the amillennialists amillennialists I, I can't say it I, I practiced amillennialists there it is and they amillennialists millennialists they don't believe that there will be an actual thousand year rule. They spiritualize the Old Testament prophecies of this Jewish kingdom and apply it to the church today. And they say, no, no, we are reigning and ruling with Christ right now. And so therefore, the prophecies in the book of Isaiah that speak about, for example, the wolf and the lamb, you hear the lion and the lamb, but it's really the wolf and the lamb. The wolf and the lamb lying together in some sort of peaceful agreement that those really don't mean that. And they spiritualize all of that. OK, that's one view. Postmillennialism says this, that through the preaching of the gospel, <clears throat> that the world will eventually embrace the teachings of Christ. And so Christianity and the belief uh, 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 in Jesus and the word of God will so proliferate the world that, uh, uh, that, that, that uh, it, will, it will have its influence on the earth. And then when that happens, Christ will be invited, if you would, to control and to lead 
and direct a peaceful planet because his gospel has gone forth and the world has been evangelized and has come to know him. The only problem with that view is that as we look at the world, we see that things are not getting better and better, but they're getting worse and worse. And so, uh, yeah, we, we, and we still have uh, a number of thousands of people groups that have never even heard the gospel yet. These are entire ethnic groups that have not heard the word of God. They don't have it in their language, and some of them don't even have a language. So, so th- there's, there's a lot of work to be done, but, but even still, you know, th- things aren't getting better. I mean, at what point would the world have to be so that it was like Christianized and, 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 and come under the rule and reign of Christ? Well, that hasn't happened yet. And it, by the way, this particular view was very prominent uh, it, it, before World War I and World War II. And after the depravity of that, uh, uh, the realization that, you know what, man is depraved and we're not getting any better. How could this happen? Well, you know what, that's the heart of man. And so the third view is premillennialism. Premillennialism. That is that Jesus will turn prior to this millennial time frame and will rule for a thousand years. And I believe this is the basic and the fundamental view of Scripture, that there will be a literal kingdom on earth and that Jesus will be the king and that his people will be reigning and ruling with him. After the battle of Armageddon, Christ will literally set foot on the Mount of Olives. And as he touches down, there will be this major shift and change that happens in the geography, even around Jerusalem. Who knows, maybe even around the world. Um, uh, he will go into Jerusalem through the eastern gate, which, by the way, is is blocked in because there are those, uh, I, think it was, uh, 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 I think it was Muslims who, who, who blocked it in, who said, you know, that there will be no Messiah coming through this gate, and, and he will go through that gate, just as it's prophesied, through the eastern gate, and go up to the temple, and he will remain there. He will govern, and he will reign over all the earth for a thousand years. Can you say amen? Zechariah 14, 3 and 4 says this, says, then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the mount. Oh, can you imagine that? Jesus standing on earth. Bang. I mean, what is that going to be like? I mean, shock, newsflash, Jesus is back. I mean, can you imagine? Ooh, every eye will see him. Um, which uh, he will uh, stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it towards the south. There'll be some changes when Jesus comes, not just a little minor decoration. He's going to change the whole t- topography of the land. We're going to take this mountain and move it over here. And we're going to take this mountain, I mean, a river going through. I mean, it's going to be serious, right? So, so that's the position that, that I, I believe in, and, and I think there are many who would as well. That's the, probably the, the dominant view to this day. So four points of the millennium. 
four, four purposes or four points. One is to reward the people of God, to reward the people of God. OK, the Bible speaks about rewards that will be given to us for our faithfulness here on earth. Listen, the Bible speaks of rewards that will be given to us for our faithfulness here on earth. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10 says this. Behold, the Lord shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him. Matthew sixteen twenty seven. Jesus says, for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels. And then he will reward each according to his works. Revelation twenty two twelve says, and behold, I am coming quickly for my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Living grace. Let me ask you, how is your work for Jesus? Understand that you will be rewarded based on your work for him right now. How is your work? You know, you know, uh, the the uh, the Christian life is a life of discipline. It's a life of 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 spending time with the Lord. It's a, it's a life of denial. It's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of joy. It's a life of incredible fulfillment. And it's a life of work, isn't it? How is your work for the Lord? I'm not talking about that you would uh, attain to salvation, but the work that the Lord has for you that you will one day be rewarded for. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says this. says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, uh, he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Those are the works of those that had compassion and kindness. And the Lord says there's a reward for that. Well, here's another thing to think about. What exactly does that mean for us? What will we be doing? Where will we be? In the millennial reign of Christ. What will we be doing? Well, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly. Uh, But we'll be given responsibilities. Based on our faithfulness here on earth. Leadership responsibilities even. First Corinthians 6 2 says this. uh, Do you don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? When will we judge the world? I believe that's during the millennial reign of Christ, where there will be specific tasks that the Lord has for us to do based on our faithfulness right now. Is that interesting? Is that exciting? Is that intriguing to you to think about the reward that he has for you and what that might be, what that might look like? Yeah. Now, I think that a lot of times when we think about rewards, we think about, you know, those who the big name evangelists or the people that, that write all the books or the, or the f- more famous pastors and evangelists, and, and rightly so, rightly so. But you know what? I think that also when the rewards are divvied out 
And I know that this won't happen, but I have this picture in my head that as, as those rewards are being divvied out, that, that we're, we're expecting to hear the big names, you know, they're going to get their big rewards. And, and the Lord may say something like this, Mod Firkin Binder, come on down. And we're all going, who is Mod Firkin Binder? You know, Maud is just some woman who's been faithful for years and years and years and been a prayer warrior and fasting and praying and giving and faithful to the Lord. Nobody knows her name, but great will be her reward. Yeah, I think that'll happen. I mean, I think that'll happen. I think some of the greatest things that we do for the Lord are things that nobody ever sees. And those things will be rewarded openly. Jesus said, you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward. A cup of cold water. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Imagine if you brought a well to a village in Africa that has no water. Well... The purpose or the point of the millennium is to reward the people of God. It's also to answer the disciples' prayer throughout the ages. You prayed this prayer as well. Thy kingdom come. Let your kingdom come, God. Now, we know the kingdom can be defined a number of different ways. We know that the kingdom can be defined as Christ reigning and ruling in our hearts right now. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. Well, if that's a place, how can it be within me? Because it's Christ reigning and ruling in me. We know that there's a future, new heavens and new earth that we could call the kingdom of God. That's, a, that's going to come after the thousand-year reign of Christ. But I think when we say, let your kingdom come, I think we're, we're, we're praying an anthem and we're saying, Lord, let, that, let your, your reign and your rule come. Lord Jesus, touch down on that, on, on that temple mount, on, on, on that eastern gate, touch down in Jerusalem, Lord. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, it's going it's to take, take your believers bringing forth your will, and it's going to take you one day coming and, and standing on the earth, Lord. And we look forward to that time. Um, to this point, the kingdom of the Lord, in the literal sense, hasn't been answered yet. But one day... Uh, the kingdom of God on earth will be the answer to this prayer. Uh, well, not only to answer the prayers of the disciples throughout the ages, but also to redeem creation. You know, creation's pretty messed up. And we love, we love God's creation. And we, we honor and admire. And, we, and, and we, we believe that the creation is, 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 is God's handiwork. We don't believe the creation is God. You know, we don't believe the creation has any answers for us as far as as far as uh, uh, I mean, it can draw us near to the Lord. But we don't believe that 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 uh, the the answers to all of our uh, uh, questions are are in the stars. Uh, We don't believe that, but we believe the stars will lead us to Christ, the one true star of the kingdom. But creation has got some issues. Genesis three, you know, there was a curse placed on the land because of Adam's sin. And from that point, paradise has been a wilderness. Would you agree with me? Uh, I mean, you know, roses have thorns now. If you don't, if you don't believe the wilderness is out of whack, come check out my backyard, man. It's out of whack. 
oh my gosh, I'm like, oh, why, why did we not do this when they were just little tiny weeds? Oh, man, now it's heating up. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Google. Let's see. Uh, uh, vinegar, salt, uh, gasoline. Uh, I mean, uh, f- I understand you can buy torches. I'm, I'm trying to find a torch now. It's on now. Settling, I'm, any kind. I'm not a flamethrower, but I mean, it's, <laughs> woo. as my sister would say, it's on and cracking now with them weeds. Oh, my gosh. Creation's out of order. You know, the lion was, was meek and mild, and now the lion all of a sudden looked at the Looked at that deer and said, oh, you know, you're looking pretty good right now. You might, we might have to have you over for dinner, right? However, during the millennium, all that will change. Isn't that interesting? Romans 18, 8, 19, and 22 says this. Speaking of creation coming back into order under the reign of Christ, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God, Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now the creation is is groaning wanting to be back in order uh to to what it once was so one of the points of the of the millennial reign of christ is to redeem creation uh, and also to to prove the point of man's depravity to prove the point of man's depravity satan will be bound for a thousand years that means there'll be no demonic activity on earth. Could you imagine? I mean, come on. No temptation. I mean, you still got to battle the flesh, right? Okay, so, so, but, but no, no influence, no, no funky worldviews telling us there's no God and telling us that, that you're a product of random chance plus time and that Billions of years ago, there was primordial ooze and you somehow evolved out of that. Or that, of course, we believe in evolution. God, we believe and we believe God created everything and we believe both. Huh? Okay. I'm just saying, you know, like like worldviews and and influences and 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 media. And I mean, just think no satanic. I mean. Think about what would the world be like with no satanic influence? <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of like what was the world like when you were in your mother's womb? It's kind of like, I, I don't know. I don't know what that would be like. Right? So Satan is bound for a thousand years. But you know what? His heart is bent on rebellion. That's what he does. That's what he does. And so after a thousand years, he's released. And what does he do? He leads a rebellion against the Lord. Wait a minute. You've just been on lockdown for a thousand years. And as soon as you get out, you start rebelling against God. And you start taking people down along with you. Okay. Righteous believers enter the kingdom. The millennial reign. And they have children. But there's no influence of Satan. 
But there will be a time when Satan will begin to influence again. And some of them will be led astray. You know, I heard someone say this. There are no spiritual grandchildren in the kingdom of God. Only sons and daughters. In other words, it doesn't matter how much faith your parents have or your grandparents have. You have to have your own faith. You have to work it out yourself. And your generation is different than our generation. We had our own temptations. You have yours. You might look at my generation and say, you guys had it easy. No, we didn't. It was just a different time. But the Holy Spirit is the same. And so the same God who was able to call me out of darkness into light is the same God who can call you out of darkness into light, regardless of what's going on on the outside, because the Lord isn't influenced by that. He's not affected by the culture like we are. Some people seem to think that man is basically good. That deep down, you know, we, we want a God who rules over us. I mean, deep down, we, we want to be religious. And, and deep down, we're sort of all kind of religious anyway. I saw a bumper sticker that said that God is too big for any one religion. And I thought to myself, so which one do I pick if they contradict with one another? Oh, it doesn't matter. Well, of course it matters. You wouldn't say that about anything else in your life. You wouldn't go to a, to a, a suit shop or a clothing store and you say, I like a shirt. Well, what size? Doesn't matter. Give me any old shirt. I don't care. Just give me a shirt. Is it for you? Yes. Well, what size are you? It doesn't matter. I want to be bound and restricted by sizes. Just give me any old shirt. Okay. The man is innocent. It's his environment or his education or it's outside influences. During the millennium, the sin nature of man will still be alive and well for the most part. But Satan will be out of the picture for a thousand years. And so the sin nature of man won't be enticed like it is now. Yet at the end, Satan will lead a rebellion against God. All of that to say this, that people will follow Satan even after a thousand years of Christ reigning and ruling on the earth. Even after the perfect environment. I mean, how could you not live in the perfect environment when Jesus is seated on the throne in Jerusalem and is reigning and ruling for a thousand years? And Satan gets released, whoop, and there they go. Like, how does that happen? That's the heart of man. It's the heart of man. Well, listen, here's a few things about the environment regarding the millennium. A few things about the environment itself. First of all, it'll be a place of peace, right? It'll be a place of peace. No wars will take place. Could you imagine? No wars. Because Christ will be reigning and ruling. He will deal with those things righteously and justly. So there'll be no wars. Uh, there's, a, there's a scripture on the outside wall of the United Nations uh, that will finally come to place. It's kind of taken out of context because the belief of the United Nations is that man can bring peace on the earth. You, know, you, know how, you want to know how many years we've had of, 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 of world peace? Okay, never mind. Let's not go there, okay? Micah 4.3 says he shall, uh, and here's how they take it out of the context. On the, on the uh, United Nations wall, it says this. It says, they shall, uh, Micah chapter 4, hey, they quote the scripture, that's good. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword 
against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And we read that and go, hey, amen. But they forgot the first part. He shall judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. Oh, don't forget that. Uh, That's how that's going to happen. It's because Jesus will be reigning and ruling. Then they will beat their their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning. Okay, that's the context of that. See, if you're gonna if you're gonna quote the word of God, you got to quote it in context. United Nations. Somebody needs to go graffiti the top of that and put the first part in there. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wouldn't that would be funny though, huh? Some tagger out there. He shall judge between the peoples and rebuke the strong nations afar off. <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. During the millennium, Israel will be the center of the world. It will be the leading nation on the earth, if you would. Temple Mount will be the capital of the rule of the Messiah. And the scripture tells us that all nations will flow to that capital of the government of Jesus. All nations will be asked to come. Those that don't, there will be some consequences. will be asked to come. So it will be a place of peace. It will be a place of economic prosperity. Because all of the billions of dollars that need that we spend on military might will not be spent. It won't be won't be necessary. Isaiah 62, 8 says the Lord has sworn by his right hand and by the arm of his strength. Surely I will no longer give your your grain as food for your enemies and the sons of the foreigner shall not drink your new wine for which you have labored. But those who have gathered it shall eat it and praise the Lord. Ezekiel thirty four twenty six says, I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. Then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. That's speaking of prosperity right there. So a place of economic prosperity, a place of long lifespans. Isaiah 65, 20 says, No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man uh, who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die at a hundred years old, but the sinner, being one hundred years old, shall be accursed. A hundred-year-old child. Hey, but it speaks of death. Uh, the, The fullness of... Of Jesus, the healer will be evident. Uh, But death seems to be a penalty for serious sin, even in the millennium. Uh, Well, anyway, let's focus on the positive, a place of long lifespans. And how about a place of the fullness of joy? Isaiah 12, 4 and 6 says, And in that day you will say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the peoples, make mention of his name, that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. Isaiah 25, 9 says, And it shall be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. There will be some joy in the millennium. People will be praising the Lord. You won't have to have a praise and worship service. They're going to be praising the Lord all day. Uh, 
<clears throat> you know, we look at the news today, and actually, I'm, I want to include this. And, and you wonder about, about this. This environment could be a place where King David will have a role in the leadership. Isn't that interesting? It seems that King David will have a prominent place in the millennial earth ruling over Israel. There's a couple of scripture verses to speak of that. One is in Ezekiel 34, 23. It says "Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them and he will feed them himself and be their shepherd. Ezekiel 34, 24 says, and I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. The Lord took him. It's interesting to think about the possibilities of King David being in leadership. In the millennium. Ooh, it's exciting. Well, anyway, let me sort of kind of wrap up with this, okay? I don't know if you've ever done much study on the millennium. And I just, uh, I wanted to share this with you to, to, bring, to bring hope, to bring excitement, to kind of help to unpack kind of um, uh, uh, what's going to take place. We look at the news today. Nations are at war. There's um, uh, nations are on the edge uh, as we read the news. Uh, Israel is being pressed constantly to give up land for peace. Um, you know, in the millennium, there will be no negotiations necessary because Israel as a nation will have the fullness of all the land that they were originally designed to have and supposed to have. There's political tension in the Middle East constantly. Um, and there are many, many nations that surround Israel that even cease to recognize its existence as a state. That will not be the case in the millennium. <laughs> uh, as all the nations will be coming to Israel, to Jerusalem, not because of Israel itself, but because of Jesus reigning and ruling on the throne. Um, <clears throat> one day the entire world will be brought under the direct leadership of Jesus Christ and we will be ruling with him. And I hope that gives you a sense of hope, a sense of joy, and a sense of, of wonderful anticipation and a sense of duty to be busy now with the prayer, Lord, let your kingdom come. Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the disciples were wondering and they were asking Jesus, when is your kingdom coming? Yes, they were anticipating a military ruler. They were not anticipating, anticipating a baby born in a manger, but a military general who would come and institute the millennial reign of Christ. But that's not what Jesus came to do, so they missed him. <clears throat> Acts 1, 6, therefore... When they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. <laughs> Don't go there, fellas. It's not for you to know. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. You should be my witnesses, uh, witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Don't worry about that. You just be busy about right now. So Spurgeon said this, and I close with this, regarding the millennial reign. Let us rejoice that Scripture is so clear and so explicit upon this great doctrine of the future triumph of Christ over the whole world. We believe that the Jews will be converted and that they will be restored to their own land. 
We believe that Jerusalem will be uh, the central metropolis of Christ's kingdom. We also believe that all the nations shall walk in the light of the glorious city which shall be built at Jerusalem. We expect that the glory which shall have its center there shall spread over the whole world, covering it as a sea of holiness, happiness, and delight. For this we look with joyful expectation. Amen? Let's all stand and pray, shall we? Amen. Father God, we love you and we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the, for the uh, exciting times that we live in. Uh, Lord, our, our times are perilous times and they're exciting times. And yet, Lord, we want to stay focused and keep our eye on the prize. Keep our eye on the goal. Lord, you are our treasure. Uh, Lord, you, you, your, your millennial reign is, is, is a treasure and a reward in and of itself. Lord, cause us to be a people that are busy about building your kingdom first in us. Lord, start with me. Start with us, Lord. Build your kingdom in us. And then that we would go out and multiply, as you said, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and we pray that it would speak to hearts and minds. And for anybody who may not know you in a personal way, Lord, that this would be an invitation to join you in what you want to do in their life. God, open hearts and minds to your grace and your mercy and your glory. God, we look forward to this time as we look forward to today. Lord, we, uh, we would say simply that you would use us to share the good news of Jesus with those around us. So we love you, Lord. May your kingdom come in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen.